Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا الشمس كورت وإذا النجوم أنكدرت وإذا الجبال صيرت وإذا العشار غطلت وإذا الوحوش حشرت وإذا البحار سجرت وإذا النفوس زوجت وإذا الموؤودة سئلت بأيدا بنقتلت وإذا الصحف نشرت وإذا السماء قشطت وإذا الجحيم صعرت وإذا الجنة أزلفت علمت نفس ما أحضرت صدق الله العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين حمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله your brothers and sisters we'll continue إن شاء الله tonight our series of tafsir sessions this is the surah at-takwir this surah according to the revelation was revealed after surah al-masad which we have completed last time which was revealed after surah al-fatiha which we have already done and surah al-fatiha was revealed after surah al-muzammil and al-muzammil after al-qalam al-qalam after al-muddathir and al-muddathir after surah iqra so we have done this series in sequence Surah Al-Alaq, Surah Al-Muddathir, Surah Al-Qalam, Al-Muzzammil, Al-Fatiha, Surah Al-Masad, and today Surah number 7 according to Revelation which is Surah Al-Takwir. And before I go into the Surah and the explanation of the uh, topics that the Surah is talking about, until now we have seen that the Quran had talked about the, the events which were taking place in Mecca, 
a new revelation is being revealed. Allah Azza wa Jal designates a new messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah chooses Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as in the Quran says that Allah yastafi man yasha. Allah chooses whomever he wishes. So he did choose Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in the first, these six surahs that we have seen, Allah had almost in, in our today's terms, He had set a stage for us. This stage has two partners, two parts. On one side, there is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a prophet of Allah, receiving revelation from Allah azza wa jal. And on the other side, an elite group in Mecca, that had already taken a stand against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one side, Allah is telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I want you to stand up and take a stand. Qum fa'andir. Qum al-layla illa qalila stand up and warn the people, do reveal and uh, convey my message. On the other side, a group of people that Allah azza wa jal talked about in the surah al-alaq, Abu Jahl, he called them a taghiya, a tyrant. In Surah Al-Muddathir, he talks about someone that Allah Azza wa Jal ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا وجعلت له مالا ممدودا. He's talking about Al-Walid, the one who Allah describes in details. إنه فكر وقدر فقتل كيف قدر. This is a person who has thought a lot about this new revelation and he made a decision to stand up against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in Surah Al-Muzzammil, Allah even more talks about Al-Mukadzibin, ذَرْنِي وَالْمُكَذِّبِينَ أُولِ النَّعْمَةِ Let me deal with those who deny Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the right to be a prophet and a messenger. And in Surah uh, Al-Qalam, he talks the, the same thing about Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, كَلَّا لَا وَلَا تُطَعْ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَهِينٍ هَمَّازٍ مَشَّاءٍ بِنَمِينٍ He talks about the man who stands up between the people. He swears, he makes the oath, he makes the vow that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shall not make it through Mecca and shall not be allowed to, to, to give the da'wah. So the stage shows two parties to the conflict. On one party, on one side, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam supported by Al-Wahi and by Allah azza wa jal and Allah describes the issue upon which or this struggle, if you will, is going on. This issue is the fact that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling the people, now the one and only one who should be worshipped and obeyed and listened and followed is Allah azza wa jal. Allah is Rabbul Alameen and that was talked about in Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdulillah, Rabbul Alameen, he is the Rabb of all the worlds. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm al-Din, he is the owner of the day of judgment. He is the one who should be worshipped, he is the one who should be sought for him. This is Allah Azza wa Jal, none but Allah Azza wa Jal. So that's so far until now, we, and then of course there is Surah Al-Masad, where Abu Lahab stands uh, among all the elites of Mecca, among all the elites of the Kuffar, as the one who is the uncle of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, him and his wife are taking very serious stand upon their shoulders. They want to make sure that Muhammad, peace be upon him, will not make it. He will not go through Mecca, he will not convey Islam, they will not let him do whatever he is supposed to do. So that is the stage in front of us. So if we look at the, at the scene in Mecca, if you will, at the time, so we see on one hand there is a man, and a man that he has been known all the time, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-Sadiq al-Ameen, he is up in Mecca talking about a new religion, about Allah, about the Rabbul Alameen, about the creator of the world, about Khaliq al-Insan, Khaliq al-Insan, if you will. And on the other side, there is a man like Abu Lahab, 
who is with one eye, with the, with, the, with the red face, with the long hair going through Mecca, telling the people, this man is insane, this man is crazy, this man that we want to seek cure for him, don't listen for him. And Abu Jahl, there in Mecca, near the vicinity of the Kaaba, saying, if this man comes to the, to the house of Allah, to the house of Kaaba, I will step on his neck with my own foot. And there is Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, who is saying that, oh, let's make a decision, let's make sure that the people around Mecca will not listen to this man. This is the scene in front of us. Until now, until now, the Quran and Islam and Allah did not address the essence of the corruption in Mecca. Until now, the stage is being set between two parties, if you will. The one on the haq on one side, and the one on the bottom on the other side. Surah Al-Takweer, which we are talking about today, is the first surah that starts pinpointing issues, pointing fingers now. Not only at the people like Abu Lahab, like Al-Walid, like Al-Akhnas bin Shurayt, like Abu Jahl, like those top elites. Now, talking about what is it that they are doing that should be condemned by Allah and by the Quran and by Islam and by Muhammad What is wrong with this society? It's not only that these elites are standing up against Muhammad but there is something uh, essentially something fundamentally wrong with this society. So this surah is talking about that. And believe it or not, the issue that Allah picks, the first issue to pick on is the issue of women. The issue of this concept about who woman is, who the female is, how to treat a woman, how to look at this other side of the gender. Now in Mecca, the corruption in Mecca was huge. Besides worshipping idols, which is the greatest corruption, in the shirk al-azim, Allah says, a shirk is the greatest oppression ever. But Allah does not pick on a shirk yet, specifically. In many other places in the Quran, there is lots of ayat that talk about shirk. But here, Allah does not even choose a riba, which is huge, it's a huge corruption and mischief in Mecca and in, 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 the, in the society of the humans as well. He does not choose this type of issue like al-mutaffifin, the ones who cheat the people and the one who, 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 who abuse, the fa- who abuse uh, or exploit, if you will, the weakness of the people. He does not choose uh, al- al- uh, the, the slavery. He, there are lots of types of corruptions, but Allah picks this issue, which is a fundamental issue in any society, the issue of this discrimination, if you will. Man-woman discrimination. Female, the weak part. The female who has always been the subject of this, the, this mystery, if you will. People have always talked about and thought about and made all theories. And then at the end of the day, almost everybody, every system agrees that the woman is the weak part of the society. And for some reason, this weak spot in the society is always abused, is always uh, uh, oppressed, if you will. Someone is practicing oppression against this weak part, which is the woman. And here Allah picks the issue of the woman in the first surah to start talking about the illness of the society. And that shows this issue how Islam really views the society and where to start. And those who erroneously and wrongly and mistakenly accuse Islam or pick on us for the issue of women, they don't understand how Islam dealt with this issue. So this ayah, this surah, in its major part, talks about this issue and I will show how 
Allah Azza wa Jal puts it in this marvelous manner, in a manner that you cannot even imagine how is it that Allah Azza wa Jal included this issue of the woman among issues that that are part of a universal change, if you will. Like when we say, إذا الشمس كورت When the sun is exploding or is evading, كورت الشمس is the sun. Okay, let's start talking about this ayat one by one. This is a type of an oath or a type of paying attention, drawing the attention of the people. Imagine if, just saying, just consider if, what happens when, when what? If the sun that you see on a daily basis that comes from the east and goes all around, you see it every day, this big type of flame that is moving across the sky, if this sun fades away, it wraps up itself, its flame, its energy, its heat, everything is wrapped up and is being thrown away. And then in the tafsir they talk about it it's like someone is wrapping up his uh, turban if you will and somehow and taking it and putting it aside. So if the shams, if the sun that you see on a daily basis is no longer the sun. If this sun with the great heat and energy that feeds the entire universe of us, feeds it with energy and heat and light is no longer that same sun. Something great is happening. There is something big happening. وَإِذَا النُّجُومُ كَدَرَتْ And if the stars that you see in the sky, those stars that you see them in millions, that we count them in thousands, they are in millions, actually they are hundreds of millions. Up there in all of this universe, there are lots of stars, if all are dismantled. In Kadar, in Kadar it's like something, in fact there is in Arabic something called Kadar. Kadar is a piece of uh, dirt, after the the, uh, the rain and then the mud uh, starts becoming dry and once it, a mud is dry it's like uh, it's like a piece of rock but it's not a real uh, real rock it's kadab they call it it's not a stone it is like a stone made out of mud so it's not real stone so the stars become like kadab and therefore they fall down because they scatter and there is nothing that holds them together. So if this universal change happens, the sun is no longer a sun, then once the Qur'an starts talking about that, then you say, oh, something big is happening. Whether it's on the day of judgment or before, people or yet the Qur'an is not even talking about day of judgment. He's not bringing the issue, except in one notation in Surah Al-Fatiha, where he says, Maliki Yawm din in general. But here, He's talking about something big is happening, something absolutely beyond the imagination of people, something that once it happens, you don't even know what are the consequences. The sun is gone, the, the, the stars fall down. Uh, the mountains, they moved away. In fact, in the Quran they say, suyurat means they are pushed, being some in this passive tense. Suyurat means being pushed around, being pushed by pushed away, suyurat al-jibal, they walk away, someone just say like you are moving your cattle, you have your stick behind the cattle and say move, 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 someone is moving the mountain, so those big mountains, and for us sometimes in Illinois here, we don't have mountains around us, so you don't appreciate the world, but if you were in the Rocky Mountains, 
or in Mecca, where you see around Mecca all of these big stony mountains, these mountains will go, will disappear, will be moved, someone will push them, uh, uh, just like in Surah Al-Qari'ah, where Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, those big mountains become like, like fluffy, fluffy wool. Al-Qari'ah, uh, Al-Qari'ah, wa ma'adraka Al-Qari'ah, yawma yakunu, and in the, in the, wa takunu al-jibalu kal-ihni al-manfush. And the mountains become like, like a fluffy cotton. Fluffy, which means anything can, can move it around. In another place, Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, the people will ask you about the mountains. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْجِبَالِ قُلْ يَنْسِفُهَا رَبِّي نَسْفَ They ask you about these big mountains, what will happen? Allah will explode them, will take them all away. In this ayah it says, وَإِذَا الْجِبَالُ سُيِّرَتْ The jibal, the mountains which are around us, they will no longer be mountains, they will be gone. This universe or this earth will be flat. No mountains, nothing. What is happening? There is something more happening. وَإِذَا الْعِشَارُ عُطِّلَتْ so here, one view is from the stars, from the universe. The sun and the stars. The second view is on the earth. The big mountains, and Allah is picking on the big issues. The, the sun is big in the sky. The, the, the stars are big in the sky at night. So those will be dismantled. What is big on earth? Something big, huge, strong, that you can't imagine beyond that there is nothing stronger. It's the mountains, the strongest. Rocky mountains, the Atlas mountains, the mountains around Mecca, those are big. They will be gone. So Allah is talking about big issues. So something that strikes your mind, something that does not allow you to take a breath, there is something big happening in the universe, the sun and the stars, in the earth, on the earth, the mountains. And... That's on, on as far as the earth is concerned. On the, on the living beings, on the living things that are living, here comes, وَإِذَا الْعِشَارُ وَالطُّلَتِ الْعِشَارُ, those are the camels, those are the camels in the Arabia, in the, in the Arabian Peninsula, when they are pregnant, and their pregnancy usually goes for 12 months, not for 9 months, and they call them عِشَار, when they are on their 10th month of pregnancy, which means they are about to bear children or to bear their, their uh, new animals. And at this time, you will leave as people, you will look at your camels at the time when they are about to give birth to their new babies, you let them go. Uqtulat means you are absolutely careless about your best type of wealth. For, an, for a Bedouin, for an Arab or a person in the peninsula, his best Wealth is his camel, when the camel is pregnant, it's about to give him baby and milk. And then he says, إِلَى الْعِشَارُ وَالطُّلَتِ At the time, at the time when you do not even give any care, or don't pay attention to the best of your wealth, in this case your, your camel, or in our today's terminology, your accounts in the banks, when all the banks are, 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 are scattering and falling one after another, you don't care about your accounts now, you care about some money in your pocket maybe, because everything is gone. When all of these things are being collapsing around you, you don't start caring about what is going to happen to the account, now there is something else that you worry about. So you don't worry about your ishar, the camels, and then Allah brings another scene. So as if you are looking at the stage in front of you, a sun is, something is happening to it, no longer, no more stars there, mountains are being moved away, the camels are 
in fact, in another, in another explanation, somebody says, the camels, because of the scene, because of the horror of the scene, they will drop, means they drop their babies out at the, at the tenth month before they are, uh, before their due time. وَإِذَا الْوُحُوشُ حُشُرَتْ them. And wuhush are the monsters, the, the, the uh, animals, the, uh, the animals like the wolves, like the uh, hyenas, like the lions, like the giraffes, all of these wuhush, all of these animals in the, in the jungles, usually when they run away from each other, Allah Azza wa Jal, at the time when they forget their own nature, they forget their own nature, they forget that they are enemies of one another, they, they forget that a lion is dangerous to, to a deer, a tiger is dangerous to a zebra, all of them they will gather in one place and they don't worry about one another because yet there is something more horrible happening in front of their eyes, so they, they, they even ignore their own instincts, if you will. When those big animals, they gather in the same location together, no, nobody is pushing them, but they somehow they gather, they come into a same corner, and they don't touch one another. So they are being like hasher. Hasher means they are, uh, uh, they are crowded in one place. But this, now it's a notion that Allah is saying that the scene and the event is huge, it's so big. It's so beyond the, the imagination of anyone, it's so enormous that even those animals, they come together and they stay cornered in one place and they will not touch e- each other. They, it's their nature, their instincts is being suspended for a while. What is happening? There is something big is happening, something Allah Azza wa wants to draw our attention to. He wants to draw the attention of the people that who are listening to the Quran. There is something important beyond these issues this Allah says when these things happen when 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 these things happen what is it that you are expecting and then there is one more thing here in this big scene Allah now talks about the water about the seas so he talks about the universe the sun and the stars he talks about the mountains he talks about the uh, the animals which are like the camels the wealth of the people he talked about the monsters in the, in, the, in the jungle, and now he talks about the seas. And if the seas explode, وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ سُجُّرَتْ Al-Bihar, the seas, the oceans. Sujurat, sujurat means they are inflamed. Imagine the water catch a flame, catch a fire. You know, sometimes you say on top of the fire like this, uh, when there is oil spill, and sometimes they burn the oil spill, what burns on top of the water is the oil spill. The water doesn't burn. The water is water. It's cold by nature. The water is used to cool the fire. The water, usually you use it to cool the fire. And any time you have something on top, on the surface of the sea, is burning like an oil spill, if waves start coming in and the waves come on top of the fire, it puts it off. So the water in the ocean is so huge that it does put off the water. But here Allah is saying, the water itself catches flame or starts exploding as if, chemically speaking, as if those hydrogen and oxygen bonds, they break those bonds and then you have the oxygen becomes the fuel of the hydrogen. Imagine you have hydrogen bombs out of the sea. Out of the sea you have a hydrogen explosion. If you have a hydrogen explosion in few atoms only, you will have huge explosions 
which is multiple, multiple times more than the atomic explosion by itself. When you have this so-called the, the hydrogen uh, bomb type of explosion. So if you have this event in front of you, those seas, the oceans, are catching this fire and explosions such that the bonds between the, the molecules of the water is being broken and then the seas get explode. This is disastrous. Amidst all of these issues comes the strike. The Quran makes the strike. Once all of this stage is being set, then Allah says, and among all of these, the poor little girl who was what once upon a time buried in the deserts of Mecca will be raised and questioned and asked the question, who killed you? What is it that caused your death? By what reason people have killed you? Now imagine now, among all of these big events, the sun is deflamed, the stars are falling down, the seas are exploding, the mountains are being pushed around, and the animals, the camels are being, they drop their babies, and the big monsters, they are cornered in one issue. And among all of these, الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ Equating, Allah Azzawajal, equating the burying of a child girl alive, equating burying the child girl alive to those big events of the collapse of the sun, of the collapse of the star, of the movement of the mountains, of the exploding of the seas, of the downing of the, of the animals, of the camels, of gathering all the animals together, all of these events, equating these to the event of the child being killed without a reason, a girl child. Does that make the concept or not? Does the Quran hit the issue or not? It hits the issue at the highest possible level. You can't do better than that. No matter how much you say, burying the child alive is wrong. Okay, it is wrong. But many people do wrong things. Okay, this is one of the wrong things. Burying the child alive or the girl alive is oppression. Well, oppression is practiced everywhere. It's part of the oppression. The world is not lacking oppressions, whether it's in Syria or in Somalia or in Mali or in Afghanistan or in Pakistan or in Bangladesh or in Saudi Arabia or in America or in Europe. Oppression is everywhere. So it's big, not big deal. This oppression, just like any other oppression. We live with oppression. We condemn, condemn oppression and we accommodate oppression. Today there is a meeting happening in Italy to, to talk about Syria, and here comes the, the, uh, the council, the uh, representative council of the Syrian, uh, they're called the, the council, the Syrian council. They say, we're not going there because the world is not, take, is not really paying big attention to the oppression in Syria. Yeah, true. And the world says, okay, it's just one oppression, 70,000 people killed, what's the big deal? We killed about 2 million people in, in uh, in Japan, we killed about uh, 2 million in Vietnam, there are killed, it's people get killed anyway. I mean, 
If you want to make an issue, to say, oh, there was a child who was being buried alive, let's condemn that, let's take it to security council, let's make vote, let's, let's make demonstrations, let's make protests. You can't do better than what the Qur'an did here. The Qur'an here is saying, killing this child alive, burying the child alive in Mecca, in Arabia, in Jahiliya, can only be equated to the collapse of the universe around you. It's the fall of the sun, and the fall of the stars, and the explosion of the seas, and the movement of the mountains, and, and all of these are barely equivalent to the killing of a child. So killing of a child is not acceptable by any means. It is condemned by all means. And Islam makes that worse than all of this universal collapse. That is a hit. That's a hit. That is a very strong hit. This is a very strong entrance in the struggle with ideas, if you will, in Mecca. Because now this is what Islam is about. Islam is not only coming to say, Oh, Muhammad is a messenger, accept him, and big, and that's it. That's not all. Islam is coming to make some corrections. Islam is coming to change the structures of the society. Islam is coming to change the core values upon which the societies are, are, uh, are built. Here is a society in Mecca. A common practice, a common practice is that when a woman bears a girl child, and if that child is born and girl, the Quran describes that in other places, إِذَا بُشِّرَ أَحَدُهُمْ بِالْأُنْثَى ظَلَّ وَجْهُهُ مُسْوَدًا وَهُوَ كَرِيمٌ Whenever someone, whenever a man is told that, oh, your wife just gave a birth to a child, girl child. What does he do? ظَلَّ وَجْهُهُ مُسْوَدًا His face turns black. Now the Arab face, the Arab color is not black. It's maybe it's a little bit dark, but no. But ظَلَّ وَجْهُهُ مُسْوَدًا turns black. وَهُوَ كَرِيمٌ So sad. In other place, he says, and this man will be so obsessed, he doesn't know what to do. أَيُمْسِكُهُ أَيَدُسُّهُ فِي التُّرَابِ أَمْ يُمْسِكُهُ He doesn't know what to do. Push that baby under the soil or keep him with hesitation. Or keep the baby with hesitation. So that picture that the Quran says, this is how the society of Mecca was. If someone is told your wife is, she's pregnant, she's about to give a child, okay, I'm waiting. What did she have? A girl. Man, it's, what do I do with this girl? Shall I put it and throw it in the dirt? And usually they used to do, in fact, they, in, they narrate, the people, there were two brands, there were three brands in Mecca. One brand, one brand are the elites, like Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, these are the elites. Those elites, they say, oh, our baby girls will be protected as our boys. So we don't care about us having girls. We would like to have boys, but if we don't have a boy, we are okay. So this is top elite. They say our babies are protected. We are not. In fact, there is a poet. One of them, he says, وَلَيْسَ مِنَّ الْوَائِدَاتِ Among us are none who makes this wa'id. Wa'id is to bury the children alive. The other two categories, one category which is called the poor but brave, but idiots. 
poor, brave, and idiots, those are the ones, you give me a girl, she's gone all the way. I'm not going to take any chances, I will put her under the ground. That is the worst. There is some in the middle now, in the middle they are a little bit poor, but they say, you know what, we're not going to bury the child alive, the girl, we will throw her out in the desert, she will always live and grow with the animals, with the camels, with the sheep, with the sheep, with the cattle. She will never mix with the people. And we will never tell the people that we have a girl there. So it's almost dead but not dead. So that is, the, these ones, this category, they used to be called, these are the innocent ones. Look, this is what innocence in Jahiliyyah. Innocence in Jahiliyyah, you let the girl to be isolated, not mix with the people, don't let the people know that you have a woman somewhere. And the worst of them are the ones who bury the children alive. One man comes to the Prophet ﷺ and says, Ya Rasulullah, when I was in Jahiliyyah, I have ten, twelve daughters. All of them, I put them under the dirt. What do I do? He became a Muslim later on and he's telling the Prophet ﷺ, what do I do now? He says, well, the best thing you can do is for each one, you have to free a slave. Free a slave for each one. Just, uh, you, can, you cannot return those back. And Islam now resolves, Islam has come to resolve the issues. Now this man is no longer doing it because Islam condemns that. But this, is, this was a practice. A person says, he has done it 12 times. Umar radiallahu the best khalifa, the best leader, the world had ever known after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the most just person, the person who used to cry at night simply if he hears someone crying, some baby crying in Medina, he would be sleepless the whole night. Before Islam, part of his duty, part of what he was famous for, is that if someone doesn't have the heart to bury his child, he will ask Omar, say, Oh Omar, can you do this for me? Of course I can do this. This is a man without any heart. And he says, when I used to bury a child, the child would be pulling my beard or grabbing my beard. So, because she knows it. And by the way, they were not burying the children when they are only two days old. They would wait until they are six or ten years old. So the girl knows she is conscious. So she knows where she is going. So he says she would be pulling my beard. And I am pushing her and she is pulling the beard. I am pushing her down and she is grabbing my beard. Until I forcefully throw her and then put the dirt on top of her. That's Omar. What did change Omar? What is it that changed Omar from the person who take the child and throw her in the well of dirt and pour the dirt upon her and the soil to a person who would cry all night if only he knew a child was not having enough to eat. This is the Qur'an. That's what changed him. Those ayat that we are reading now, when those ayat, they struck someone like Omar, إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ وَإِذَا النُّجُومُ كَدَرَتْ وَإِذَا الْجِبَالُ سُيِّرَتْ وَإِذَا الْعِشَارُ حُطِّلَتْ وَإِذَا الْوُحُوشُ حُشُرَتْ وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ سُجِّرَتْ وَإِذَا النُّفُوسُ زُوِّجَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلْ وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ That strikes him. This burying the child alive is something immense, something, something big, something absolutely 
a huge that he cannot even tolerate. So that changed Omar. Those things were meant to change the core values. When people hear this and listen to this and believe in them, they know that Allah Azza wa Jal is very serious about this issue. Because one, sometimes you want to know, if you are telling me, oh brother, please turn off your phone when you are praying. How serious are you? If you are serious enough to take my phone and smash it, if you hear it during the prayer, then I know you are serious. If you are serious enough to know that at the front door where you will not allow anyone to go with the phone, then I know you are serious. If I know that you are putting some jamming things here to jam all the signals, then I know you are serious. So if you are taking all of these steps, then you, I know you are absolutely serious on this issue. And therefore I will not do it. And here, when Allah Azza wa Jal is talking about al-shams, the sun, the stars, the mountains, then Allah Azza wa Jal is very serious about the issue. And that's why sometimes when you say, look, if you are careful and merciful and nice, for your son, or for a man, or for a brother, one time, then you should be careful, more careful, more generous, more merciful, more kind for the female or gender from your family, million times. That's what it says. And I want this to be heard very well among us and all of us who will hear us later on, whether on YouTube or other place. Islam is very serious about this issue of the weak spot in the society. Islam does not want us to look at the woman or the female as the weak spot. And therefore you abuse that woman, you bury her alive, you put the soil on top of her whether she is alive or dead. Don't do that. Don't do that. That is absolutely unacceptable. Islam came to change those core values. And sometimes it is really amazing that within our communities and societies and this so-called Muslim communities still some of us they are very harsh when it comes to women to females to daughters it doesn't mean that you don't give the proper teaching and learning and constraining but it means that Allah Azza wa Jal when it comes to the issue of females is very serious from the time of in, uh, the inception of the woman in the womb of her mother until she is born, until she grows up. And Allah picked this issue to be the first issue to address in Mecca. As I mentioned in Mecca, if you look at the corruptions and the, and the falsehoods in Mecca, they are numerous. They are absolutely numerous. There is the financial corruption. There is the political oppression. There is the, the slavery, there is the cheating, there is the fighting, there is the warring, there is the national bonds, the blood, then all types of, of, of fallacies and wrongdoings and mischief that were happening in Mecca. One of these is the view on woman, which starts at the time a woman is born. Is born. The time she is born, in fact, when I say the time she is born, they give the story that some women in Mecca, when it's about to give the, the, the birth to a child, she goes and she delivers the baby right at the, at the edge of a well. So she goes somewhere with, the, with her nurse or whoever is going to deliver her baby. 
and the well is already is already dig there. So once the baby comes out, if it's a girl, so she just dumps the girl and pours the soil on top of that and walks home, goes back home as if nothing has happened. If it's a if it's a boy, she brings the boy the boy happy and they make all the celebrations in Mecca and they are happy folks. Now they have a boy and the girl is gone. So Islam looks at this issue right from the very, very beginning, from the time of the inception of the woman. So when we talk to the world around us, when we talk to the capitalist, to the so-called democrats, to the secularist, to the new civilization people, when they bring the issue of Islam and the issue of women in Islam, they say, wait a second, you can't compete with Islam. When it comes to the issue of a woman, you cannot compete with Islam. There is no system in the world, no philosopher, no ideology whatsoever that had equated the oppression that is practiced against a woman from the time of her birth, equating it to the universal explosions around us, meaning that to see a woman being oppressed, especially whether it's from the time of her birth or until the time of her death, to see that that, to be equated to the explosion and to the destruction of the entire world, no one can compete with Islam on this ground. No one, absolutely. Now if the Muslims do not take note of that, that's not the problem with Islam, that's our problem. As Muslims, and in fact there are lots of problems of us, that we do not take Islam seriously, we do not understand our Islam, we do not even think how Islam approaches these issues. So that is the first part of the surah that talks about these issues as shams, repeating them in a shamsu kuwiyat, when the sun is wrapped up and being thrown away out of this universe without its flame. And of course, as one of the uh, commentators on Islam, he says, do you want to imagine that? You can't imagine that because we, we don't even know how this could happen. Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who is saying, if I want to imagine the sun is loses its energy and becomes flameless and becomes like a, a dry ball, whatever big or small, I can't even put that in my brain. Or who can do that? The only one who can do that is the one who made the sun burn in the first place. Who can bring all of the stars? The other day when they talked about this uh, small planet, the size of a half size of, of a football field which was running about 127,000 kilometers away from the earth the whole world was watching small piece just like this compared to the table very small piece running across the universe and everybody is watching some meteorites fell down on Russia and Novosibirsk the whole world is watching Allah Azza wa here is talking not only about a small meteorite or small planet. He's talking about the sun falling, the stars falling, the mountains being moved, not only few buildings being destroyed by the meteorites. It's big. And then there is one more issue which I did not touch on, even Nufus Zuwijat. And Nufus Zuwijat, there is an issue here, the reason I want to mention it. When the souls are mated, that's the exact wording. And nufus, souls. Zuwijat being mated. Which souls will be mated and when and how? There are many 
explanations in the Quran, in the tafsir, in the commentators on this issue. Some would say, when on the day of judgment, when your soul comes back to your body. So that's a mating of the body and the soul. True. But it's an issue that talks about mating of souls. Another, they talk about, the Quran says, وَإِذَا كُنْتُمْ أَزْوَاجًا ثَلَاثًا on the day of judgment, Allah Azza wa Jal brings the people in three categories. The category of al-muqarrabin, the ones who are close to Allah Azza wa Jal, the best. And then the category or the group, here they call the zawj, is a group. And the group of as-sabiqoon, the ones who came earlier into Islam, like al-muhajirun. And then there is the group, the ones who come later. وَثُلَّةٌ مِنَ الْآخِرِينَ Just like us, we come at the towards few hundred or thousands years after Islam. Then will there be different groups and each one, you find your own group, you mate with that group. So this becomes your, as if your nafs joins this group. So that's a time, again, that Allah Azza wa is talking about an issue that goes on the day of judgment beyond our reach. There is another hadith here along this issue. Uh, which talks about whom you are going to be with on the day of judgment. Like on the day of judgment, Allah Azza wa will, after all of the uh, taking care of the your deeds, his deeds, that you go to Jannah, he goes to Jannah, somebody goes to Jahannam, then Allah Azza wa makes people, makes people by the two, by the group, by different categories. One of the categories that Allah Azza wa Jal allows to people to mate, to become together, to go as groups. You know, like in, in school sometimes our teachers, they used to say, you go two by two, not one by one. Like each two, they hand in hand, they move. It's, it's a manner or it's an order that's being done by some, by some schools or by some people. So there's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam which is very interesting. And this is... Uh, quite often when we bring some political issues here, because some of the hadiths that imply that, there is a hadith that says, مَنْ رَأَى سُلْطَانًا جَائِرًا If there is a sultan, which means a governor, a ruler, who is oppressive, وَلَمْ يُغَيِّرْ عَلَيْهِ بِقَوْلٍ أَوْ عَمَلٍ You look at this person, he's a governor, he's a hakim, but you don't say anything to criticize his oppression, which means you approve of his acts, like Bashar of Syria, or like the king of Jordan, or Saudi Arabia, or Zardari in Pakistan. These type of governors, you see them, and you don't do anything. Then the hadith says, كَانَ حَقًّا عَلَى اللَّهِ أَنْ يُدْخِلَهُ مُدْخَلًا Then it is bound that Allah Azza wa Jal will put you together with him, that you both go to the same place. You know, sometimes you say, Oh, I pray, I am good Muslim if you think, but then you mention, oh, but this governor is a bad governor. And someone says, no, no, don't, don't say something, don't criticize that person. After all, he's a king or is a president. Okay, you like him, then you go with him. That's what the hadith is. So you like him, you approve of his act, you will go with him. That's al-nufus zuwijat. So your soul and his soul will go together. So if you want to choose, sometimes, sometimes you have a friend, and you want to make a choice. Do I want to be a friend with this person or not? 
then you better make the following conclusion. On the day of judgment, on the day of judgment, after all of this is settled down, do I like to be with, the, with this person in the same place where he goes? Just have this thought. If you come to this decision, no way, like the person is too much on drugs, if he does alcohol, if he has girlfriends, if he doesn't care about haram or halal. But he's a nice guy, sometimes he's cool, I like him. I would like to go with him, he's cool. I'm okay. I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do alcohol. But this is my body. Okay, ask yourself the question. Would I like my soul, my nafs, to mate with his nafs on the day of judgment? In other words, do I want to be with him in the, in the same spot? Ask yourself this question. If the answer is no, then you better take a decision now. This is the way to distinguish what type of friends, what type of bodies, what type of, of people you want to associate with. It doesn't mean that to deal with, oh, the Prophet ﷺ used to deal with all types of kuffar. That's no question about it. To deal with someone is different than to be a buddy with someone. Imagine if Muhammad ﷺ was at the end of the day, after making all the dawah, then he goes and he has some coffee or tea with Abu Jahl. In the clubs of Mecca. How does that sound? That sounds absolutely ridiculous. It's insane. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. When, during the day, he will meet Abu Jahl, he will argue with him, he will talk to him, and he will order him, and he will make all types of negotiation with him about all deals in Mecca, about the society. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be the body of that person and go and have dinner with him and have some, some good time. That's cool. Some people, they call it, oh, I, I want to be cool, I want to be good, to be nice. We'll go to parties with all types of people, but everybody has his own style. Yes, everybody has his own lifestyle, but at the end of the day, would you like to be with this person on the day of judgment? Why the nufus is widget? Whether you like it or not, Allah Azza wa is saying here, this is another issue, before talking about the Mawudah, the, the girl who is buried alive, he talks about the nufus, the souls that made together. Why the nufus is widget? When souls or spirits, they mate together and they become as one unit. As one unit meaning, meaning that they go to the same place, Jannah or Jahannam. Because they, they, these are the only two places on, on the day of judgment. Would you like for your soul to be mated or to be bonded with a soul that does not go to a decent place? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, if, anyone, if anyone asked himself this question, I remember one day, I was talking in one of the masajid in a khutbah about, there was in, back in 89 when Yasser Arafat, he made his big announcement that he is ready to recognize Israel at any cost, on the, at, at the cost of building a Palestinian state, which is, which is a big treason to recognize the existence of Israel in Palestine. So I was talking and discussing on this issue that Islamically it's not allowed, it's haram. So one brother, 
he stopped me after the khutbah, after the talk, and he was defending Arafat. He talked a lot. Then I asked him one question. I said, okay, I'm not going to debate Allah whether he did what he did is right or wrong. Do you like on the day of judgment to be in the same spot with Arafat? He said, no way in the world. I said, okay, case is done. Why are you arguing with me now? Do you want to convince me that what he has done is correct and therefore I should not criticize it? Because the hadith of the Prophet wasallam says that if you see someone is doing something haram, عاملاً بعباد الله بالظلم والعدوان, if someone is doing some aggression against the rules of Allah Azza wa Jal and you do not make any, any serious change verbally or physically, which you don't try to stop him, then you should go there on the day of judgment. Do you want me to go there? I can't go there with, with Arafat or with King Hussein or with Hafiz Asad or Bashar or Mubarak. I don't want to be there because I know what type of acts they have done. Now I'm not saying that Allah wouldn't forgive them. I, don't, I can't say that. But based on my knowledge, if I have the choice, I want to be with Umar bin Khattab, I want to be with Abu Bakr, I want to be with Ali bin Abi Talib, I want to be with the Prophet I want to be the martyr, with the martyrs of Islam, with Bilal, with Sa'id, with all those, I will blindly, I would say, oh Allah, put me with them. But there is no way in the world, I will say, oh Allah, put me with Hussein, or with Abdullah, or with uh, Fahd, or with uh, Bashar, or with... No way in the world. Even if they go to Jannah for some reason, they repent, okay, that's fine, but I don't want to take a chance. وَإِذَا النُّفُوسُ زُوِّجَتْ This is, وَإِذَا النُّفُوسُ زُوِّجَتْ وَإِذَا الْمَوْعُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ What guilt has she committed? And that is, and I want to conclude here before I, I don't want to finish this surah tonight, I will stop in a few seconds. But the question that Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, What guilt, what sin, what error has he, has she committed? Now, although this ayah is talking about that specific event for daughters, but it's a general question. What have I done to kill me? What have the people have done the people who died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what have they done to put a nuclear bomb on them? What have the people in Syria done? Those in Aleppo, in Hama, in Homs, in Dara, in Damascus, what have they done in order to bombard them with all of these planes, with the Scud missiles, with the, with the rockets? What have they done? What guilt? Tell me. You killed me. That's... Allah will raise this issue in front of all the people. The one who is killed today, there are many children, we have seen them on TVs. Children, they are, they are only one, year, one, one day old, two days old, one year old, five years old. They are all in tens, hundreds, laying down, killed. They will be raised and they will be asked the question, what have these committed? What have they committed? Why did you kill them? Now, of course, Allah is putting this here, the kid himself will be asked the question, what did you do to deserve to be killed? Of course, kid like that one there, what could he have done?
to be killed. Nothing. The answer is known. Allah does not expect an answer. Many questions in the Quran when you read them, there are many ways that Allah poses a question. What type of answer you want to give? You know, sometimes like the question when you're principal in the school, you are coming late without any reason. And he keeps asking these questions. Where have you been? Why are you late? Why do why you keep coming late? Why you are not doing your homework? Why you, he's not even waiting for you to give an answer. He doesn't want to hear your answer. He just wants to, to put it on your shoulder that you have done something wrong. That there is some serious problem here. So Allah Azzawajal here, he is not waiting for an answer. Because he knows that this daughter was not killed for any reason. There was no reason to be, for her to be killed. It is only for the man who killed her to listen. That his daughter is being questioned and he cannot give an answer. And there he is not even asked. The killer, the murderer, the criminal, he is not even given the opportunity to be asked. Leave alone to give an answer. So Allah is posing this question to the one, to the victim. To the victim. You were killed illegally, wrongly. What have you done to be killed? Of course, nothing. Imagine if this kid would start talking. This kid would be saying, I was crying. I was pulling the, the beard of Umar, of the other people, in order to keep me alive. They did not leave me alive. I was pushing everybody. I was giving my eyes and trying to beg for my life. Nobody gave me my life. That's what they will say. And the same thing the people in, being killed in Syria today. And the same thing the women who are being abused today. Because the abuse is similar sometimes to being killed. It's a crime. Especially if she has no power to fight back. If she has no power whatsoever, even to say a word back, she will be asked on the Day of Judgment, what have you done to be slapped on the face? What have you done to, to, for your, your head to be cracked against the wall? What have you done for you to be dragged along the ground? What have you done for your legs to be broken? What have you done for you to be spit on? What have you done for you to be, to be accused or insulted? And, and all of this, what have you done? And the husband or the man will be standing there, not being even asked, not even given the opportunity to be asked, not even given the opportunity to give an answer. This is the style of the Qur'an. Asking the victim a, a question where the answer is already known. The more the victim talks, the more the criminal will be convicted. The more the guilt will be upon that criminal. This is the style of the Qur'an. وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةُ سُئِلَتْ بِأَيِّ ذَنْبٍ قُتِلَتْ What? Have you done? What guilt? What sin? What problem have you done? Nothing. And the same question you can repeat today in Syria for every day about 100 or 200 people being killed. Why have you been killed? What have you done to, to deserve to the, this death? Why your homes have been destroyed? Why your farms have been burned? Why your children have been killed? Why, why, why? All of these. No answer. And the only answer that, be, that would be given is that only because of oppression, only because of tyranny, only because of this criminal act of these criminals. And imagine what the result will be. Just you imagine what Allah Azza wa will do to these people. So we'll stop right here. And again, just to keep us with this notion about these universal acts which embody within them 
the, the investigation and the condemnation for this burial of the girls alive. Open the floor for comments, questions, talks, discussions. Go on. Any comment? Why, why does Allah uh, allow this? Why does Allah doesn't stop if uh, they are killing, when Allah has the power to stop their thing? Why does Allah allow this? Well, Allah Azawajal in the Quran, right at the time of the creation, He made this decision for the people, for the people to lead their own life based on their own beliefs and concepts and actions and to have them accountable for the acts uh, and this is where Allah Azawajal he talks about this amana we have presented this amana this trust to the mountains to the universe to the earth and to the people and everyone every every being in the world rejected the amana except the human so the humans the people when Allah presented them with the trust the trust in this case is being able to conduct your affair based on what you think is right or wrong and then to be accountable for your acts accountable by Allah we the humans somehow I don't know when and where but Allah saying that I've done this to the essence of a human فَقَبِلَ ف أَخَذَهَا الْإِنسَانِ إِنَّ عَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةَ عَلَى الْجِبَالِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فَأَبَيْنَا أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَهَا وَحَمَلَهَا الْإِنسَانِ The insan carried it. So this is how Allah made the decision for the world, for the humans to live, is based, the humans will be responsible for their actions, whether good or bad, and they will be accountable for them on the day of judgment. This is one. The second is that Allah when the tyranny takes place on the ground, he wants the people now who are under oppression to take a stand, enough stand, enough stand so that now they deserve the support of Allah Azza wa Allah can change things whenever He wants to, but now He changes them only when the people take the step. Allah, this is how His decision is. When in Allah la ma hatta Allah will not change the conditions of the people until they within themselves they change their concepts this is a sunnah that's sunnatullah so in the past Allah did not change the conditions of the people until and unless a group of people did change their concepts from within then Allah took the stand so in other words Allah is not going to take a stand on my behalf until and unless I take the first step this is how it goes It's not, that's true, it's not their fault. Therefore, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked, who will go to Jannah, who is going to be in Jannah for sure, he mentioned the following categories. He said, myself, about himself, he knows he will be Jannah, al-anbiya, the prophets, al-shuhada, the martyrs, wal-maw'udah, and the girls who are buried or killed without a reason. So those, at least, the prize 
or the compensation for this deceasing or ending their life, their compensation is the Jannah, which is the everlasting Jannah. So the end of the world, being killed in the world, is not the end of the story. If this was the end of the story, then we would have said, yeah, that's wrong. But this is not the end of the story. There is yet the other life, and the, Allah, the Prophet wasallam in the hadith, he says, the categories will go to Jannah for sure, the Prophet wasallam, the Prophets, the Martyrs, and al Mawuda. al Mawuda in this case, covers all those babies, children, who are buried or killed without a reason. Yes. Yes. All of them they are martyrs unless somebody has his own intention at the time when he gets killed something else. Okay, that's we don't know. But in general, the ones who are killed by Asad, babies, women, men, elderly, all are martyrs. Yes. Yes, uh, I'll take the brother and then here. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, every person responsible for his own deeds to go to be in Jannah or Jahannam, that's his own deed. But once you are in that category, then in Jahannam with whom you will be, or in Jannah. So in Jannah, let's say if I deserve to go to Jannah, then I would like to be in Jannah with the Shuhada, as Allah Azza wa Jal, He puts this high category, those will be with the group that Allah bestows his best favor on and the prophets, the Siddiqeen, the ones who are always confirming the truth as is and the shuhada. I would like to be with them. So that's given that my deeds take me through. But it's not that I hold the hand of Umar and he pulls me to Jannah. No, he's not going to do that. But once I am there, I hope that he can put his hand with my hand. And on Jahannam, now there are categories of Jahannam. The Quran talks about categories. Like the Munafiqeen, the hypocrites, the lowest type of Jahannam. In some other place, Allah, the Prophet wasallam says, the least type of punishment in Jahannam is the one who's, who steps on a charcoal and then his brain will be boiling. So that's least than... So there are categories. All of them are bad, but there are categories. So to be with the kings and the tyrants, with Pharaoh and the Pharaoh of the past and Pharaoh of the day, no, I don't want to be there. I hope I'm not going to be in Jahannam at all, but in general. Yes, but you're, you're right. Everybody, his own deed, or, uh, he's responsible for his own deed. Yes, but... Yes, issue of abortion after a certain time. Because the abortion, there are two categories, uh, two, two stages. One stage is when the uh, baby is already formed as a human, according to hadiths of the Prophet wasallam. so the baby has a soul, a human soul. But a living being, every baby is a living being. So the hadith of the Prophet wasallam confirms that there is a time when the baby in the womb of the mother, if he is killed, then there is a diya that has to be paid. 
diya just like dealing with a human. Now there is a, in size of the diya, which is the ransom, it's different, in ransom it's not complete, it's one tenth, but it talks about a human being. And there is a time when the abortion or the baby comes out before that, and that time the scholars they talk about area between 40 days and 4 months. That's the difference of opinion. And to usually when there is difference of opinion, you take the opinion which is the most, the safest. So let's say 40 days. So after 40 days, if that opinion which is the, that's the least amount of time, yes, that is white. If it's done purposely, that's white. Because you are killing a human who is still alive, whether it's a boy or a girl. But before the 40 days, it's not a word, there is a sin for it, it's haram, it's an ifn, because this is a baby to be, it's a human to be, it's not a human yet, but there is a formation of it, it's not allowed, it's a sin, but it's not considered qatl, because qatl or killing is only when the, when the baby is considered a human, a human means has the soul of a human, when does he have the soul of a human, physically, scientifically, we don't know. So we take the fiqh issue. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam talks about in ahadakum la yijma'u fi rahmi ummah will be in the womb of his mother uh, sometime, let's say 40 days, then 40 days, then 40 days. At first 40, the second 40, the third 40 days, which is four months, then the soul will be blown into him. The, uh, the spirit or the... the they call the ruh In some other hadith, it says after 40 days, the soul will, will come to him. So we depends on what type of... This is a fiqh matter. If the faqih or the mujtahid says we will use the four months, so after four months, it's considered wa'id. Before four months, it's just considered haram. Or it's 40 days, the least amount of time. Okay? So that whole issue of abortion that's taking place in this country and becoming legalized and all of this, from Islamic perspective, Islam is very serious about this issue. It's not, it's not an issue of a matter of choice, my choice, the mother or the father's choice. That's not right. This is what Allah Azza wa has made a human, put his soul through, blew his, uh, his spirit into him. No one can touch this human. Not for any reason. Not for any reason. That's not up to you. It's a soul that Allah made. Some people say, oh, we know that this baby has some syndrome. He will be born with some deficiencies. That's not up to you. He has a, he's, he has a spirit. He has a soul. You cannot take him out. Otherwise, you have a baby who is born. He has some defects in his heart or something. No, I don't want this baby. Go and throw him out in the dumpster. You can't do that. Whether it's a boy or a girl. Now we know it's haram for both, but a girl, the reason Islam talks about girls here, because this was a practice then, and it's still a practice today. In different scales, but still a practice. In many places, in the Muslim world, when someone has a baby girl born, they have like a funeral at home. They started crying. At home, the woman cries, the husband cries, 
uh, he throws his wife outside the house. You are bringing me girls, and everybody in the in the in the in the house detests that mother. Why? Because she has baby girls. I mean, all of these are jahiliya issues. We should know them. They are jahiliya. Quran came to 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 fight these values. We should not allow those jahiliya values to be sustained in our societies. We have to fight them back the way Islam fights them. Those are things which cannot be tolerated. Sometimes we see them, we know them in our neighborhoods. We know people who do that. And we don't say anything. We laugh, we smile at it. Or say, I don't do that. But we still take it sarcastically that some people do it. And we know them. Everybody knows some, some families in the neighborhood that have this attitude against women who bear girls into her uh, into her family and how the, the family treat her. When the husband starts saying, oh, I'm going to marry another woman because my wife bears girls. Now, probably he has a right to marry another woman, but that's not a reason to do that. That's not the reason for a person to get a second wife because his first wife does not get, uh, does not bear daughters, as if daughters, girls or boys are gifts by the woman. She is responsible for that. It's Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah is the one, يَهَبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ ذُكْرَانًا وَمَنْ يَشَاءُ إِنَثًا Allah, He offers whom He wants. And He says, يَهَبُ يَهَبْ means He gives as a gift, boys or girls. This is a gift and this is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. يَهَبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِنَثًا وَيَهَبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ ذُكْرَانًا Yahab means he gives as a gift. It's a gift from Allah. Boy or girl. It's not the woman who bears or who gives birth to girls. Even if you want to, to go even more scientific, to be more scientific, probably it's the, the, uh, the doctor is smiling here. He knows what I mean. It's the man. The man genes. The man genes, right? Or the man's fault. He's <laughs> responsible for his, uh, the, the X, Y, whatever those things in you guys in biology, you know them. These are the men's uh, responsible for them. If we want to be even more, I mean, details. It's not the woman for sure. More likely it's the man, but at the end of the day it's Allah Azza wa Jal. Yes, yes. He should give it. Yes, it is. Like, uh, there was a news in India when they find out they said, why do you have a girl? They go right away for abortion. Or they do abortion for girls. Man, this is what al And that's what, what this means is that the world today needs Islam one more time. See, it's not only that this value is wrong. This value in Mecca was changed not only because the Qur'an talked about it, but because there was a group of people who took this Qur'an all the way to become the norm of the society and the standard of the society. So it's not enough to say that, oh, abortion is wrong. People will continue to, to abort. In Jahiliya, people continue to do wa'd al-banat, wa'd of daughters, even after the Qur'an talked about it. 
But the time when they stopped doing that is when the Quran and Islam became the norm of the society. Now Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Muslims are in charge of the society using the Quran. So what's in China today, or in India, or in America, when there is abortion for babies in general, or abortion for daughters only, that means only Islam can change that. Only Islam. Because look at the debate around us in America. The debate when it comes, this stupid debate is, whose right is it to decide? Is it the woman or the man or the child? The child cannot say anything. Then it has to be the man or the woman. The woman, she, is, she, she says, I am liberal. I live in a liberal society. It's my right. The man says, well, you have part of my sperm, so I do have a right. And then someone takes the life of the child when the people are still debating whose right it is. It's neither right. It's neither the woman, nor the man, nor the child. It's Allah's right. It's, huh? And the liar. <laughs> and the liar. liar. Yeah, the lawyer who is the liar. Not that one. That one is a lawyer, I know. <laughs> I'm not talking about that one. <laughs> it is Allah's right. And if you don't bring this Islam, and this is again, if the world wants to see an end to this type of, of, of chaos and crime against children and against babies, the only one who can do that is Islam. It's not even Christianity. Because Christianity at the end of the day cannot rule. Cannot make decisions in court. But Islam, when it comes... Now the Prophet ﷺ, he specifically mentioned that anyone who comes to me with a baby that is... If a woman is being hit, in fact he said, and your head cause a woman to abort, you have to pay dear. If you cause, in fact, there is another hadith to the extent that saying there are certain lizards, certain lizards whose poison or whatever poison they come out, they cause women to abort in Arabia, and he called them specific snakes, specific lizards. Those ones, when they live around, somehow they have impact on the pregnancy and the woman abort. And the Prophet ﷺ called the people to seek these lizards and kill them. To seek the lizards and kill them because he wants to save the pregnancies. Now there is an order when he says, seek them and kill them. That's an order for armies, for Muslims to go around and actually they did. They cleaned the entire Medina out of this type of snakes and lizards. So it's, it's a system. So when I say Islam, I mean it. I mean that the only thing that can save the world today from abortions, from killing children alive, is Islam as a system. Not only say talking about it, when the Quran did talk about it here. Remember, this surah was number seven in the Quran. We just mentioned that. It's early days. But the abortion or the right continued until, until the Prophet conquered Mecca after many years of building the state. Which means when Islam came and ruled Mecca, it became a ruler in Mecca, then abortion and all of this nonsense stopped. So you need Islam as a system. Not only as 
as words. So there is no way in the world China or any other country or America or any other country will have will save their babies except until Islam becomes the norm of societies and the standards to rule the world. Yes. 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 Family planning. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, or there is a hadith of the Sahaba they used to say Na'zil means to make sure that the water that comes out of the man does not stay in the womb of the mother for in two different ways either to have the uh, sperms being uh, uh, ejected outside or cleaned after so there are two Techniques which the Muslims have done, and that's called planning. That's planning or isolation, in fact. So there is, but that is different than using uh, uh, after the baby is formed, you uh, you abort him. So before that happens, yes, you can do whatever you want, except of course absolute prevention, which is like. Uh, uh, you know, killing, uh, uh, having operations or surgeries that prevents pregnancy at all. Like using condoms is okay. Yes. Yes. Using condoms or uh, trying to to uh, not to have the the uh, what's that? Sterilizing. No sterilizing. Oh, go ahead. Yes. That's true. Yeah. That's even taking the issue now beyond, step beyond preventing what was. Uh, yeah, the question, the, the comment is that bringing a female child in the house is a blessing according to the Prophet ﷺ, where he said that if you bring one uh, girl, uh, bring her up as a Muslimah, uh, if you bring three girls in one hadith, uh, then those will guarantee a place for you in Jannah. Uh, Sahaba asked the Prophet وسلم, what about two? He said, even if you bring two, then that is uh, a guarantee. Then he asked, what if one? He said, even if you bring one child, girl, bring her as a Muslim, that will be a place for you in Jannah. So meaning that taking care of a girl and giving her uh, good uh, knowledge uh, raising up, raising her as a good Muslim uh, uh, woman, that is a guarantee for you a place of Jannah, yes. So that's even even more. And there are lots to talk about how Islam really did women. This is not meant for that, this, this tafsir. I just wanted to, to draw the attention that it's very important, this is how Islam really picked on this issue because of its importance. And if you uh, putting it in this way, the way the Quran did, is almost is, uh, it's so striking, that means Islam puts very high value, very high value on how do you look at the creations of Allah Azza wa be it man or woman, girl or boy, male or female. And even if you give more 
be more uh, merciful, more pleasant, more uh, caring for your daughter, that is guarantee for you in general. Yes. Yes. Uh, you. What about the people like you know really in, in, a, in a higher position? Do you condemn them publicly? What what is it? This is not issue about condemning or not being uh, good to people. I have to be good to people. I have to have uh, good manners, Islamic manners. I have to treat people as uh, as good as Islam told me. But at the end of the day, when you know, each and every one of us would have a buddy, would have a good friend to to mingle with, to go out with for dinners, for coffee, for something. Someone that you really consider close. My close friend, you know, close friend, I would not pick a close friend, a Muslim or a non-Muslim, even a Muslim, if he is not with good manners, with good Islamic ethics, with good Islamic ideas and values. Because I am afraid that this person I may mate with on, on the day of judgment. I may end up with even now uh, yes it's true that my deeds will take me wherever but how do I guarantee when Allah Azza wa Jal says nufus they are nufus that they could mate together that means I may I may end up like this person, like his habits, like his acts or deeds, I don't know what type of impact will happen, so why do I take a risk? So that's, and now when it comes to elites now, like rulers, there is an explicit hadith that says, if you really don't take a stand against this ruler, then you are like him. Now, because this is already a sin, it's already a sin, that means you and him will go into, into the same location. And the same thing that goes to buddies. Same thing. Sometimes you may, because a friend of yours is a friend, you may let go of part of his fallacies. He lies, maybe he drinks, maybe he humanizes, maybe he lies, maybe he does something wrong. He's, well, yeah. The person can, his deen, is equated to the deen of your friend. Because you may be just like your friend in, in terms of acts and behaviors, which are considered to be part of the religion. So we have to be careful. I have to be careful on who do I select to buddy with. My buddy, my friend, the one that I support, the one I rely on, the one I... Uh, I... I really co-live with. So that's important. Because quite often, uh, I get to either be quiet on some sins, or not to condemn them, or to con- condone some wrong acts, simply because the guy is my friend. And sometimes to the extent that someone can hide a crime, a crime, of a person simply because he is your friend. 
And that's very common. That's very, very common. Someone makes a big, big or small crime. And if he's my friend, my good friend, and if I am asked, I may not even give my, the proper witness. After all, this is my friend. And see where the catch is. There are many, many catches, many traps. So here when Allah Azza wa says, وَإِذَا النُّفُوسِ زُوُّجَتْ Just choose which nafs your nafs want to be with. That's the best way to, to, to explain it. And it's a lifestyle. See the point here, remember the Qur'an, when the way we are reading this, remember this is still being revealed. When this surah was revealed, it's not even a year that has passed since Islam was revealed. It's not even a few months. This is very early days of Islam. This is Qur'an just being revealed. This entire Qur'an that we see, it's not even there. There's only a few surahs there. So right from the very beginning, Allah Azza wa is setting the ground for Muslims. Setting milestones. Setting, building this path so that Muslims can lead the path into Jannah smoothly. Right from the very beginning, who, who your Rabb is? Allah, Rabbul Alameen. Who is this Rabb? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, MashaAllah. Who are the enemies? The elites, Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, Al-Wulim, Al-Mughira. Who is on your side? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's very simple. Now, what is wrong with this society? People are not doing, living in a good life. Be careful who your nafs is going to be with. Right from the very beginning. We're not talking about the time when I am already 30 years or 40 years in Islam. I'm still just crawling. But building my blocks, one by one. Building the blocks of Islam, the blocks of Islamic society, the blocks of Islamic movement. So that we smoothly build and shape up a new society called Islamic society. So no wonder when we, the Muslims at the time, we arrived at Medina, then the Muslims built the most perfect society you could ever think of. Because everything in their minds, everything in their emotions, everything in what they like, what they dislike, was based on Islam. There was nothing in their mentality, in their psychology, in their self-conscious, which is not Islamic. But here when we look at ourselves, we are mixtures of everything. I am mixture of all my friends, my families, my neighbors, my blood. I am mixture of the rules and the regulations around me, of the societal norms, of the traditions, of the customs, of what is good, what is bad, what the people like, what the people don't like. I mean, we are mixture of all types of things. We are just like like a Greek salad. They put every, everything together. And but here, what we are trying to say, let's see how Islam builds things. Slowly. What Islam pick, what issues Islam picks on? Picks on daughters and males and, and, and females. Good. How Islam wants our soul to be? Just like this. Whom it's a good question. Ask, ask your daughters, your boys, your friends. Whom you would you like to be on the Day of Judgment? And sometimes even in, in groups, in, in schools, when they have 
They want this. The teacher wants to build groups for discussions. Sometimes he asks questions. He says, which group you would like to be in? Oh, you jump to a group where there is a good smart boy. Or some cases, oh, where well, there is a, a good beautiful girl. It depends on your emotions. What is it, where, where do you want to be? And here Allah Azawajal is putting these questions in front of people. Just like the question, So which nafs would you like your, your nafs to be mated to? Forget about marriage in this life. You are married to your wife, that's it. That's not the issue. As a nafs, if your nafs was to be with another nafs, even in Jannah, which one you would like to be? Look how marvelous this idea is. Even if you ask it to ask this to your son or daughter or a friend, just ask this question or to yourself. Sometimes say, whom I would like to be with? Or would I be happy if I would be with that person on the day of judgment? That's a good question. It's something that you, you really probe into us. And as I mentioned, sometimes even in at work environment, which group you want to be, which manager you would like to be with, which project manager, which classmate, which class leader, sometimes you divide your classes into sub-class leaders. Which one you would like to be with? And you always have some inclinations. So even take this question further on the day of judgment. Which nafs you want to be with? Because their nafs will be made it. So make a decision now before it's made on your behalf. That's what this is about. I think it's long time for coffee, right? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.